You're listening to the Impact Lenders Podcast, the podcast for people and institutions using lending for good. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the Impact Lenders Podcast. This is Peter Shaping of High Impact Analysis. And I have with me today, Deb Markley from Locus. Welcome, Deb. Good morning. Happy to be here, Peter. Thanks so much. So we are... uh, Talking via Zoom, as everyone is in these crazy times, uh, this will be our second podcast episode related to COVID-19 and its impact. And I think this episode is going to be a really great one to think forward a little bit, not just into the immediate response, but how to CDFIs and how do foundations work to, uh, to smooth the economic damage that is certainly on its way and underway. So, Deb, on that kind of bleak note, let's get to the, the positive stuff, <laughs> the, uh, the solution stuff. So, so first off, tell us a little bit about Locus. Great. Happy to do that. So, uh, Locus has been around for about three years, um, and we are a nonprofit consulting organization and also a mission-driven uh, registered investment advisory firm. And so, our focus is to work with foundations that want to use more of their assets to make a difference in the places that they care about. Um, And in most cases, they really have an eye toward how do we help create a more prosperous, vibrant place, community, or or region. And we came together, Locus was started under the umbrella of Virginia Community Capital, which is both a nonprofit Community Development Financial Institution, CDFI, as well as a community development bank. And I think it gives us a really, as as an organization, a really unique perspective, particularly at this time, both to what's happening on the ground with small businesses, affordable housing developers, the the kinds of folks that community development financial institutions have traditionally supported, as well as the um, perspective of philanthropy and what we see as an increasingly important role that community philanthropy, place-focused philanthropy can really play in the economy um, and in the, as you said, in the recovery from this this crisis. Um, So we do a lot of work with, with foundations, a lot of consulting work on the ground, everything from a board conversation to help them start thinking about local investing um, and moving beyond just grant making um, to much more significant um, asset servicing kind of work, helping them do do, due diligence on deals um, and figure out actually how to deploy their capital. Yeah, and I really applaud VCC. It seems like such a dynamic organization um, to, to have kind of all three legs of the stool. You've got the bank, you got the CDFI, and now you have the, the organization that supports foundations. So it's a great comprehensive approach. So that way. Us, yeah, and you're in, I believe the bank is a B Corp as well, right? It is. It, yeah, so, it is. Um, yeah. High Impact is a B Corp as well. So we, we're always uh, out to support our, our partners in the field. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about working with the, the foundations you serve during this crisis. Uh, what do you see them doing already? How are they responding? So one of the the first things that we did as, as a team, after everybody got used to doing remote work and got safe and snug in their home environments, um, 
we started reaching out to the foundations that we were working with and, and some close partner foundations across the country that, that we often use as, as sort of beacons or inspiration for others. And just to see what they were seeing in their communities and how they were responding. And we heard this very consistent message, I think, um, across those foundations. They, they clearly ramped up very quickly into what we would call sort of reassurance and response mode. You know, some of them just made $1,000 grants to nonprofits available very, very quickly. Just mm -hmm. basically, we're here, we care, you know, we, it's a little bit, but it's something. Um, yeah, yeah, start plugging the gap. Right. Um, to, to much more significant responses, creating recovery funds, uh, working with their partners. In some cases, the foundation was leading. In other cases, it was their, their, their um, assessment of the community was that the United Way or the Chamber was the right organization to lead. And the foundation just came in, in, in support of that. But almost to without exception, the foundation um, CEOs, presidents, um, executive directors that we talked to were already recognizing that this was not a two-month event, mm -hmm. that yeah. there was going to be at least a year, year and a half of recovery, and then this whole three to five years of rebuilding, you know, because there's a lot that we're going to lose from the infrastructure in communities, and particularly in some of the smaller communities where if you lose half of Main Street, that's a pretty big gap to try to, to fill in a smaller, more rural community. Yeah. So they were already thinking, how do we position ourselves for recovery and resilience for that rebuilding um, place, I guess, um, that they yeah. wanted to, to step into in the future? Yeah. So what's Locus's role in supporting them in that? So we've, um, we're doing several things. Some of the foundation partners we, we had ongoing work with, and we've been very, um, very impressed with their ability to say, we're not going to take our eye off the ball of this longer term work that we're engaged in with you. you know, in, in some cases, we've been working with a foundation in California that's really trying to, to position themselves to be a, a significant partner in inclusive economic development. And they see this as, as this crisis as uncovering a lot of the symptoms that they saw, but have just really risen to the surface. Communities that mm -hmm. aren't being served, neighborhoods yeah. that are falling behind. And, and they've, they've basically said, we want to continue to do this work. We're continuing to prioritize that. So we are helping to just move forward the work that we had already planned with them. In, in other cases, what we're doing is just reaching out and trying to provide good information, share stories of what other folks are doing, try to answer the questions that they have about things like, can I help support small businesses and how can I do it? And trying to provide yeah. that kind of information. You know, there, there are lots and lots of organizations out there that have COVID response pages on their websites. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to, mm -hmm. to really help in a very focused way, a foundation that says, we, we know we need to be doing more. How do we make sure we have the capacity? How do we help small businesses? 
So give that knowledge resource to them to say, well, here's what you can do here. Maybe okay. here's what you can't do. And here's, here's okay. where, where you can fit in. Okay. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you mentioned resilience as a big uh, focus of these foundations. What, what exactly do you mean by that? I mean, I think it comes up a lot in your work. What is the, the long-term uh, goal around resilience? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a really good question, Peter, because in, in I, I think there is some place-based context in the way that people think about that. You know, re resilience in a small rural community is, is trying to keep your population relatively stable. That's yeah, a, a resilience persistent. strategy. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what we're trying to, when we use that term, particularly in the context of the crisis that we're in right now, um, it's, it's how do you, as a community, invest in the things that are going to be wealth building over time? You know, how do you make sure that you have an economy that's generating wealth for the people who live there now, that's um, providing job opportunities for people who wanna come or, or stay in the community, and that has a range of opportunities that are creating really strong livelihoods for everybody, you know, yeah. so that you have not a reliance on a single industry, you don't have an economy that is failing to keep uh, people who are on the margins actively involved in the economy. If you it's just so hard to think of a community or, or a region having a resilient economy where if a single industry goes away, they lose their um, employment base. Yeah, sure. or, or where you have a lot of people that aren't actively participating and able to, to earn a, you know, a good living. And so yeah. it's really trying to think about the things that create diverse economic activity that's rooted in that community. That's, building on the assets that they have. Those are the kinds of strategies that we talk about. Yeah, and, and so many foundations were working on that or recognizing resilience as a need before this crisis. I mean, how, how are they taking this situation? Is it is it a blow to morale to think, oh, all that progress we're making is gone or is it an opportunity? What's what's kind of the, the feeling? I, I would say that most of the foundations we've talked to see it as not sure they would use the word opportunity just because it feels so hard to use that word in a yeah, time of yes, crisis yes. like this. But, but I think they, yeah, I think they recognize the relationships that they've built, you know, the collaborative partnerships, because that's another part of this. It's about how the work gets done, not just about the work itself. And the places where the, the foundations are in partnership with economic development, um, and they've built those networks and those trusting relationships, I, I don't think that they see this crisis as shaking that. I think they mm -hmm. see that as the foundation on which they can build toward a more resilient future. And, you know, we've seen it in um, one of the community foundation in Kansas, uh, in Topeka, Topeka Community Foundation, has been really actively engaged with their economic development folks in the past. They have a shared okay. vision. And, and I think it just positions them so well to respond to the crisis with a set of shared values. And so I think that that work they've done so far may feel like it's not, um, like there's a bit of a stop to it and a pause to it. Yeah. But I don't think very many of them see those relationships 
um, backsliding during this time. I think that's part of it. Can we pause and then just be ready to move forward yeah. uh, when the time comes? And, and have you seen foundations that have not traditionally been involved in economic development per se, you know, groups that might focus on the medically underserved or arts groups and that sort of thing, have you seen them start evaluating their options in, in supporting economic development? It, it's, it is one of the questions that just keeps bubbling up very quickly in this crisis because it's, it's easier, I think, the foundation grant making muscle that they have to support the you know feeding programs and programs to get things out to um, senior citizens all those things just kick right in it's a, a natural yeah. thing yeah but we we've been getting questions we're, we're going to be a, doing a webinar later this month um, in partnership with the Indiana Philanthropy Alliance because when they brought their members together over zoom People were saying, how do we help small businesses? You know, mm -hmm. and that's a set of, of tools and skills that many foundations don't have. You know, there, there aren't that many Silicon Valley foundations out there that have that bigger picture of that. Yeah. And so we've had conversations about how do you support those small businesses and how do you ask the right questions to even figure out what they need? Um, and how do you begin not just to do it on your own, but can you can you work with the city and, and landlords in your downtown and utility companies to create a package of support for small businesses so that the foundations aren't doing it on their yeah. own? But they're yeah. asking those questions now and need those quick response tools. We'd like to also keep, keep pushing them to think, okay, if you needed it now in this response mode, how do you build that longer term capacity to actually say we're going to play a role in economic development it's our it's we're going to step into this space in partnership but we're going to make a commitment to build the capacity to do that for the long haul yeah and it's something that is is so obviously uh kind of a social need right now with so many people out of work and, and you know small businesses really struggling to stay afloat um, but you make the point, it's something that is always, you know, a critical piece to people's livelihoods. If we can have responsible economic development, you know, that's, that's employment. That's uh, things yeah. that are going to help people's health outcomes, educational outcomes, and everything else. Yeah. yeah. So, Deb, we want to talk about some of the ways that foundations can get involved in economic development and how Locus uh, suggests that they do. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then get right to that. During this challenging time, CDFIs want to do all they can to support their borrowers. The first step in taking action responsibly is having a comprehensive understanding of your own organization. How long can you forgo principal and interest collection before cash starts getting tight? How will your portfolio performance impact future lending capacity? How can you communicate your performance and risks to your staff, board, and investors? For over five years, CDFIs have turned to high impact to answer these questions. Our sophisticated cash flow modeling, portfolio analytics, and asset liability matching products back your decisions with analytics and help you communicate complicated concepts. Email us today at analysis at highimpactanalysis.com to find out how we can support you. So 
we are back with Deb Markley from Locus. And Deb, we, we've talked a lot about what Locus does so far, but we haven't talked about you. So uh, give us the scoop on your role at Locus. So I am, um, my, my official title, I'm Senior Vice President at, at, at Locus. Um, I am leading the philanthropic consulting work that we do. So okay. um, the, the, the kinds of work that we've talked about already is all work that I lead along with some really wonderful, skilled and talented colleagues that uh, do this work with me. And so yeah. Yeah, we, how big is we, Locus? So we have 15 um, for the entire Locus team. Okay. Our philanthropic consulting team is um, one, two, three, four of us. Um, okay. and, um, and we are the ones that, that spend in a typical year, <laughs> more time on the ground with um, our foundation clients. I, now we'll say we spend more time um, on the, in, in, in cyberspace with our yes, foundation the clients. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've been with Locus. Um, I was one of the initial employees um, and my former organization, the Center for Rural Entrepreneurship that, that really launched me into this work um, came into, became part of Virginia Community Capital in order for us to, oh, okay. to launch Locus three years ago. So. Got it. And, and what attracted you to the concept of Locus? So I um, have spent most of my career in the field of community economic development, a lot of it in rural places across the country, um, including almost 20 years with the Center for Rural Entrepreneurship, a, a national nonprofit that I helped to found with my uh, partner uh, Don Mackey uh, 20 years or so ago. Um, and we, we did a lot of work in communities around um, entrepreneurship and how to build a more sustainable economic development strategy. And especially as we came into and out of the Great Recession in 2008 and beyond, we started to really recognize the power of community philanthropy in, in communities that were trying to create their own economic future. Um, because mm -hmm. in, in that crisis, which is the last sort of big crisis that, that our country faced, there was such a retraction of the, the more traditional resources, public sector resources that supported economic development, that communities that had place-focused philanthropy, whether it was a strong family foundation or a Healthcare Conversion Foundation or Community Foundation, those places had a source of financial assets and leadership that other places didn't have. Yeah. And it, it really sparked our interest in, in trying to do more around what we call community development philanthropy or economic development philanthropy, trying to work not just with the community partners, but with philanthropic partners to say, you need to take a role in economic development. You yeah. may be, in some smaller communities, you may be the only anchor institute. Yeah. Um, and so that work really, when, when the opportunity to create Locus um, was presented, the ability to combine that on the ground sort of community economic development experience with the experience that VCC had working as a CDFI and a community development bank and partnering with philanthropy and recognizing that there were sets of tools that philanthropy needed and capacities they needed to build over time 
if they really were going to start doing local investing, if they really yeah. were going to expand their toolkit. And so it seemed like a, a perfect opportunity to bring two skill sets together. Um, and I think, I think we're, we're seeing that, you know, yeah. I think we have a really unique space that we occupy. In the field. That's great to see that vision, you know, from, from your past experience converge with Locus and come to life here. Yeah. And yeah. There's, there's plenty of, uh, I, I think there's a big need for positive news right now. So what, can you give me an example of a, a, a project that really excites you or worked really well or a rural entrepreneur who made a big difference in their community? Give me some, some good news. Oh, some good news. Let's see. I, I, I doesn't think even have to be recent. I just want to hear a success yeah. story. Oh my goodness. Um, so I, I, I think there are a range of um, success stories out there. And so I'll give you a, a, a quick montage because I think rather than going really deep in, in, into one, but um, the community of Red Cloud, Nebraska, very rural, home of Willa Cather. Um, a very unique partnership of philanthropy, uh, rooted, rooted families who'd been in that community for a long time, a convention and visitors bureau in this small community to really capitalize on the, um, the Willa Cather Museum to create a real heritage tourism strategy for that little community, to raise the funds to, to build a hotel and, and reinvest in the place um, has really helped to begin to transform that community in ways that they're now investing in early education and childcare and really building out the infrastructure in that little place because of the way partners came together across these sectors, public sector, private sector, philanthropic sector. Uh, yeah, so often there's the ingredients are there, but they don't mix the right that's way. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, and it, it needs somebody who's willing to step into that leadership role. And, and we see that happening in, in work where we're leading a peer learning network of uh, community foundations in Kansas. And we see that happening in Topeka and Hutchison, Kansas, where you have, you do have all the ingredients, but there, they're actually bringing them together and trying to create this shared vision. So just a, a couple of examples of places that are just really, I, I think it's, it's as much about the way they're trying to work together as it is about the, the kind of shining light at the end of the, of the tunnel. Yeah, that's great. And before we move on, I, I apologize for my ignorance. Who's Willa Cather, was it? Willa Cather was an author um, and a, sort of a, a, one of the kind of prairie authors um, and, and was, had some, um, some controversial aspects to her life. And, and so I think there was a long time that Red Cloud wasn't quite sure how to handle her, but they really huh. embraced her. And um, when they, they opened the museum, I'm going to look her up after this. Yeah. When they opened the museum, um, Laura, former First Lady Laura Bush actually came because of her commitment to to reading and her interest in library. And Willa Cather was a, an author that she loved and she came and um, helped to launch That's that. Great. So yeah, okay. interesting. Super, well, thank you for sharing. So, sure. so let's get back to the, the topic at the end here. Um, so Locus just published a, a blog that I think is excellent and we'll, we'll link to it on the impactlenders.com website, impactlenderspodcast.com website, I should say. 
Um, so let's talk about that because it, it presented a few takeaways from your conversations with foundations that you'd like to share more broadly. So the first one is that engaging new community partners is, is critical at this time. So tell us why that is and, and how you think it needs to be approached. Well, I alluded to it in our earlier conversation, but I think one of the things that we see with um, foundations that haven't been involved in economic development in the past is that they're not even quite sure how to have the right conversation with their mm -hmm. uh, small business. Um, it could be a small business development center. It could be the city. It could be a community development financial institution. Not every place has them, but um, or just a community banker to just un understand what the needs are. You know, what's it going to yeah. take? And, and in this time of crisis, what's it going to take to get more money out to the small business sector to really support them? And I think that uncovers a lot of opportunities for foundations to easily step into some roles that they might not have thought about before um, it, using their grant making tools or, or considering using, um, using some kind of lending vehicle. And I think that's, to me, that's really the first step. You know, have you knocked on the door, or in this case, Zoomed your economic developer, yeah. or your community banker, or your CDFI, and just said, what are you seeing? What are you hearing from nonprofits, from small businesses? Um, I think that the, the foundations have done a really good job of reaching out to their nonprofits. Almost mm -hmm. every foundation we've talked to, the first thing they did was to start calling their grantees. Sure, um, yeah. Or doing a two two question survey, so that they could be responsive. But doing figuring out how do you, how you step into economic development, how you support small businesses, that's a different set of conversations that most foundations aren't familiar ha having. And so, how do you start to build those bridges? And again, if you've got them already, it's easy to pick up the phone and have a call with your CDFI partner or your banking partner. Yeah. If not, and and we are. In this um, webinar we're going to do for Indiana Philanthropy Alliance, we're going to provide here's some questions to ask, just so foundations have some tools at hand to think about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you, and you give examples in your blog too. For example, the using endowment funds to shore up the capital local banks have for lending. So is that is that essentially just moving deposits to a local bank to to give them more liquidity? Yeah, it it could be doing that, putting a cash deposit in, and and um, just just as by way of an as uh, as an example of this again vcc is a cdfi and so we've gone out to foundation partners that have been partnered in good times in a variety of ways with with um with vcc and and said yes a deposit would be great but the other aspect of this is that the vcc is able to do sba lending so they can participate in the payroll mm -hmm. Uh, protection program and do some of that SBA work. Those SBA loans are very low interest loans and most CDFIs don't have a big pot of low interest capital. So yeah. can you, could you extend um, a 0% loan or a quarter percent loan to a CDFI partner so that they yeah. could have the capital to, to do that? Um, and I, I was, I've been talking to some other folks about this issue and uh, it is a big problem. Even you know, banks are also facing the issue of how do we make these zero percent 
loans, and and I think a, a role a role of foundations could be buying some of those loans. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that that no, is a yeah, that's a big need right now. Figuring out that program. Yeah, and and I think that um, when we talked earlier, I mentioned that the Mary Reynolds Babcock Foundation. One of the first things they did was convert all the PRIs they had out there, the program related investments, to zero percent interest. To yeah. just I mean, with their CDFI partners to just give them the CDFIs a bit of a, of a cash break there yeah. um, so that they don't have it. Um, so, so I think that's a really important um, piece of this. There's, there's also technical assistance that has to be provided, you know, especially CDFIs are, are not necessarily meeting the financial needs of the larger small businesses out there, the ones that have before. 500 employees, uh, they tend to be serving the smaller um, businesses in most communities that have been unable to find capital in, in other places. Those smaller businesses often need a little help to get into a loan program like SBA. Um, and that takes time, it takes resources uh, to meet the kind of demand that we're seeing, which is just incredible. It may require a CDFI to go out and, and find some contractors that can come in and help provide that technical assistance. So that's an opportunity for grant making on the part of a foundation. Again, mm -hmm. something they're very familiar with uh, to just shore up that TA capacity so that they, CDFIs and other organizations that are processing these loans can get more people into the pipeline. And it yeah. doesn't have to be the CDFI, it could be a, a nonprofit partner that's providing that kind of resource too. Yeah, and you can just imagine these the, the problems and then their solutions, the ideas will just flow if you have these conversations, but the first step is you've got to engage with those partners that you might not be. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so tied into this too, kind of a shift in mindset, um, you mentioned the need for foundations to, to kind of shift from a grant to an investment mindset. And I think that that goes to a lot of the work that Locust does. So yeah. Uh, give, give some thoughts on that for this specific situation. So I think, it, it, again, foundations are, are great at doing grant making and, and investing, it's a different tool, but it's a very similar process, you know, making a decision about where you want to have an impact and putting those, those investments out there, those loans out there um, in, in a way that gets you the kind of impact you want as, as a foundation. Right now, I think part of what foundations can be doing, foundations that haven't had a local investing program, you know, that haven't done all the hard work to sort of build that capacity, they could start looking though at the, um, the nonprofit organizations that are their, their grantees and just start asking, is this something where a loan might be possible? You know, is this a nonprofit that has just um, has a funding stream, a revenue stream that's coming down the road, but it's not going to be here for three months or six months, or they're going to not be able to gear up their, um, the event that they do every year, the music festival that they do every year, and they bring in 30, 40, $50,000. They can't yeah. do it again for another year. Could you actually give them a loan instead of making a grant? And so it's, it really is, and, and I'm not suggesting any of this is easy, but it's making that mental shift to just have the conversation. Um, 
all of that is much easier if you have a partner that does this all the time, yeah. like a CDFI, or you could partner with a bank. Um, mm -hmm. But there are foundations that are doing these kinds of investments in, in, with their internal capacity. And, and part of it is just trying to think a little differently in this crisis um, and bring a different mindset to the, the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And what's the, the difference in the source of funds? And, you know, we, it's not about uh, doing fewer grants and doing loans instead. You know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so, again, putting the crisis aside for a minute, the foundations that are moving into the local investing space are typically doing it in, in, in one of two ways. They are allocating a portion of their endowment. Your endowment is invested in lots of things anyway. Mm -hmm. They're allocating a portion, typically one to 5% of the endowment, at, into a set of local investments and making it available for local investments. And, and often the frame that they're thinking about that in is we have part of our portfolio in fixed income, fixed, fixed income um, yeah. assets. They may be earning two to 4%, right now probably less than that. <laughs> Um, and can we consider doing local investments that basically are earning about the same? So can we take yeah. out part of our fixed income and put it out there? The other way they're doing it is, is really through engaging donors, creating an impact fund and engaging donors who want to make a difference in their community beyond grant making. And so, again, identifying a certain need, often it's around small business support. It could be around affordable housing. And going out to, to, to donors and saying, we have a fund come alongside with us. This is a particularly important resource for uh, community foundations that actually have these really strong relationships with their donors. Yeah. And they're seeing it as a way to grow their endowment, not just um, uh, do good in the community, but also grow the endowment for the, for the future. So those are the two kind of primary ways we see it. Mm -hmm. It's not that the portion of the endowment that is um, sort of spitting off interest that becomes grant making. So you're doing both. And often yeah. those things are, are tied to each other. The yeah, foundations are investing in the things they care about um, and are trying to advance with their grant making. They're just yeah. doing it in ways that um, they couldn't achieve the same kind of impact with a grant alone, or they have the opportunity to have more impact by having the money come back to them at some point. For sure. And I'm a huge proponent of foundations putting more of their endowment to work. And some foundations have really led that charge. And there's, there's a lot to be done there. Um, and then the, the final strategy that you mentioned is using your investing capacity to support small businesses. So these are all kind of intertwined. But again, as a foundation, you're not used to a, a, a grantee or an investee being a business. So what are the challenges that arise from that? Um, I think we know the need around supporting small businesses right, right now, but what challenges will a foundation face when they want to go that route? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, often the first question foundations are asking is, can we do this? And, and the answer is yes, you can do it. Um, but, but it needs to be aligned with the foundation's um, charitable purpose. So if you are, if you are have a strategy to in, to invest in your downtown and create a more vibrant community helping in this crisis to make sure that the small businesses on your main street can actually be there two months and three months and six months from now 
is very consistent with the with what the foundation's goals are. So first of all, it's sort of getting over the hurdle of, of is this something that we can do? And 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 yes, but it's also something that's easier to do when you're doing it with partners. And so I think to, to me, the first step always should be connecting, it goes back to the very first point, connecting with your economic development partners so that you are adding to as a foundation, as philanthropy, you are coming in and supporting the folks who, for whom this is their primary mission. And how do you come in both as a gap filler, but also an, a, as an opportunity generator so that you can, mm -hmm. you could say to a small de business development center, we know that you're out there working with small businesses. Do you have the capacity to serve minority entrepreneurs? Do you have the capacity to serve new immigrant entrepreneurs? How could we, as a foundation, invest in your capacity to, to get out to a broader set of folks in our community? Because that's part of what the foundation cares about. So I think yeah, it, is, it, it is recognizing that you can do it. Um, first, really looking for those partnerships. And then I think you do have to create a set of internal capacities. And it is, it's the core work that Locus has been doing to help build the capacities to create the rubrics around which you're going to do your investing and bring your board along to make decisions about where the funds are going to come from. Yeah. That's the longer term work behind this, um, but it's not decades of work. You know, this is work that can happen quickly when a foundation really makes a commitment to it. Um, and, and that's the kind of work that Locus can support, right? Kind of setting up a program, helping get all the players in place. Absolutely, absolutely. It, yeah. it is, I mean, what we're trying to do, we believe really strongly that foundations need to be both taking a role in economic development and embracing the tool of local impact investing. And so we want to do what we can to make it easier for them to do that over time. Um, so that's, that's the work that we do. And, and we're not trying to create Silicon Valley community foundations out there, but the, their embracing of impact investing and their ability to partner very quickly with a microenterprise organization in California to create their relief fund it's just a really good example of how when you've got that capacity internally, it just gives you a whole nother level of response that in a time like this is so critical. Um, That's a great point. I mean, yeah. there's going to be economic crisis again in the future. And there, if, you, if you have the structure, absolutely. Place, you have the partnerships in place, you can act yep. a lot better. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, fantastic. So if a foundation or another party wants to work with Locus, what should they do to get in touch? So um, our website is locusimpactinvesting.org. Um, they can reach out to me at deb at locusimpactinvesting.org. Um, we have a newsletter that we put out every month that provides information about getting in touch with us and the work that we're doing. And, and in, a, in a better time and place where we're going to be, <laughs> we like to let people know where we are in case they want to connect mm -hmm. with us. But um, a, Especially in this time of, of crisis, we or members of our team are happy to have a conversation with any foundation out there that cares about their community and is trying to figure out how they position themselves to use more of their assets now, a month from now, a year from now, and as they really move into this 
what we think is the rebuilding and resilience phase of, of this crisis. And yeah. what an opportunity we have to rebuild economies that work for everybody. And I think that's what foundations often care so very much about. And we want to be there as a partner to help in that. Well, that's fantastic. I'm so glad you're out there supporting this sector and driving change for foundations. So thank you so much, Deb. It's been a pleasure. Happy to be here. Enjoyed it very much. I hope we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you, Peter. This podcast is brought to you by High Impact Financial Analysis. We help mission-focused lenders build and maintain high-performing impact portfolios through our underwriting, portfolio analysis, and general consulting services. Find out more at www.highimpactanalysis.com and follow us on Twitter at High Impact FA. The views and opinions expressed on the Impact Lenders podcast are the speaker's own and do not necessarily represent the views of High Impact or other organizations. Until next time, thanks for listening.